But you know, a man with three children, one of them being Liam, you need to be fast. Um, <laughs> so, really, really good. Uh, before the, let the kids go, just one other quick announcement. Don't forget, tomorrow night at 6 o'clock begins our financial peace class. And uh, with... Uh, uh, Savannah and Drew are going to be leading that six o'clock tomorrow night here at the church. Yes, if you haven't gotten your workbook yet, um, Savannah can get you some uh, first lessons so we can get started without you being behind. So make sure you tell her if you haven't gotten it. And if she say, hey, can I still get in on that? Yeah, you still can. You know, it's, it's uh, uh, financial stress is one of the greatest <laughs> d- destructors of homes and marriages. And this will be a great blessing to you and it'll be a great time of fellowship. And so that's tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. See Savannah or Pastor Danny if you have any questions on it. All right, our young people can make their way out to junior church now. And uh, we're... <laughs> I'm glad to have our junior church workers. I know Pastor Danny mentioned we still need help in that area too. We've just got been blessed with a lot of kids. Isn't that great? It's a great, well, I think it's a great thing. It's a great thing having all these children back there. And the, I know the parents are going, it's a great thing they're leaving. Um, yeah, yeah, then volunteer and my wife's, yes. <laughs> grace, woman, grace. Um, Today, uh, this morning, I want to finish a series that began several weeks ago, but then we had uh, holiday stuff that we dealt with, and, uh, but it's been on my heart to finish this series uh, out of Hebrews, so we'll be in Hebrews 13 this morning. I began a series several weeks ago entitled, How to Please God, How to Please God, and we've just been taking apart a couple verses in the closing portion of the letter to the, the Jewish believers around Jerusalem, the Jewish church there. It's why it's called the book of Hebrews. And you'll remember it was written to a group of Christians, Jewish believers who are being tremendously persecuted. And they were trying to deal with this. And their, one of their solutions they came up with was, well, we know we're secure in Christ. So we can go back into kind of into Judaism. We can go back into with the, the, you know, the accepted religion of the day and uh, maybe get our jobs back. Maybe our families would talk to us again. Maybe we wouldn't be persecuted physically and emotionally, and we'd still be saved after all. And um, the Apostle Paul, or maybe Luke, others debate who wrote Hebrews, but God sends a letter to them that reminds them that though they are secure in Christ, and Christ is preeminent, that uh, they, there are several warnings in this, in this book that if they decide to be disobedient and stay in Jerusalem when they had been admonished to leave, that when the judgment came upon that generation, that if they were in Jerusalem, it didn't matter if they repented, it didn't matter if they believed, it prayed, whatever. If they were in Jerusalem when the judgment that Jesus had pronounced comes, <laughs> they were going to experience it right along with the unbelievers. And so you get to the end of the book of Hebrews, and it's very practical in nature. And at the very closing part, we find our text, uh, which I found uh, intriguing as I was reading through the book of Hebrews. And it's found in Hebrews 13, beginning in verse number 15. The Bible says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So he reminds them through all these things and choices. They're going, how can I please God? 
And, and he tells them that they can please God by offering sacrifice. Now, we know that we are not under Mosaic law, neither were they, so he's not saying go down to the temple and do that. He's saying spiritual sacrifices, and he lists four different sacrifices in our text. But let me have a word of prayer with you, then let's jump in and uh, finish this series this morning. Lord, it's good to be here. It's been good to hear singing about your grace. It's been good to sing together, to fellowship together. Um, God, I pray you'd bless each individual that's here. Uh, for their faithfulness. Help us to be encouraged. Thank you for our children's ministry, our nursery workers uh, that uh, are also serving this morning and others in the, in the building here. Uh, bless them as well. And uh, thank you for this time that we can have together. God, we lift our nation to you. We are in desperate need of a great revival. And uh, bless every marriage, every family that's represented here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, in our text and way of review, so far we've seen three of the four different sacrifices Notice in verse 15, very quick review, by him therefore, the verses start out reminding us that the ultimate sacrifice and the first fat sacrifice that pleases God is the sacrifice of Jesus himself. Now we read through verses 8 to 13 where the writer reminds them that Jesus was, was uh, offered as our sacrifice to bring us oneness with God and he was rejected by the religious leaders and taken outside of the city and crucified and he suggests to them or tells them if we are with Christ and living for Christ, should we expect anything different other than rejection? But Jesus is the only way to heaven and the only avenue to where we can have uh, peace with God and that we can please God. It's not by your good works, not by your baptism, by anything else, but faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. And so this morning, first off, if you ever want to please God, number one, it is found in simple faith in Christ alone, not of works, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you trust him this morning, it's not complicated. It is not based on your behavior, but on what Jesus did. And he simply says that if you'll believe me for everlasting life, I'll give it to you. That's the first sacrifice that we all must have to even begin to please God. If you don't have that one, nothing else you do, as the Bible says, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. But for believers, he goes on, who's the target audience here, he says, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. So the second one is the sacrifice of praise. Let us offer this sacrifice uh, to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Remember we looked at this and saw that um, it's not just so much, oh, I'm sacrificing to praise, as much as it is that it is the sacrifice, offering to God, praise, and then he, uh, he defines it in the last part of verse 15, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Remember we saw the Greek word there for giving thanks is homologeo, and simply means to come along and agree with, to say the same thing. So the sacrifice of praise is praising God in agreement with who God says he is by his name. Believing and praising God that he is our peace, that he is our provider, that he is our atonement, that he is the mighty one. Then number three, he goes on in verse 16 and says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Well, number three is the sacrifice of doing good. Remember, we looked at this one and said, just do good. Just be nice to each other. 
That's a sacrifice sometimes. And we saw, that again, the Greek word there on, on this idea to do good is a, is a word I believe was only used here that, that, that means that we take something and make it good. That you take something bad, somebody maybe who did you wrong, and by the grace of God and by offering as a sacrifice to God, we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, take something bad, make it good, just as Jesus did as he took something awful, such as crucifixion and his death, and yet through that, you and I are saved. Do good. Well, this morning, we're going to look at the last uh, of these four, and it is also found in that simple phrase in verse 16, where the Bible says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. You don't forget to offer the sacrifice of just doing good, and then don't forget to offer the sacrifice of communicating. Hmm. Sacrificial communication pleases God. Now, how many problems do we have today because of poor communication skills? Anybody been married more than a week? <laughs> you probably are familiar with this. At the workplace, at the bank, so many problems are our communication skills. I know for me, you know, we're in 2023 and we've got high definition TVs with all this stuff, the technology and all these things we can do. I saw, I saw somebody on a video had for the 4th of July, see some of these cities are doing these drone presentations instead of fireworks, you know, because it's more environmentally, you know, but it was pretty cool. But you see those things, they put like a thousand drones up there and they rearrange and different things, you know, right, Emery, they're networked, right? Right, Emery? Um, you know, but I'm afraid somebody like me would overtake it. <laughs> um, <you know. laughs> Russia stinks, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, just kidding. Um, love the Russian people, which we do. We got a lot of missions work there. But all that technology, but anybody else find it amazing that you, you, you just want to get a hamburger and a fry and go through your local drive through that's easy to communicate, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I'd like two of those. Well, that'll be rifle forward. Anybody else done that? I'm like, what year is this that we can't get a microphone that, that, that produces stereo or something? Or can we do video communication? That's why I love Chick-fil-A. They bring a person out there. That's why I'll go there just for their drive-thru. Talk to a person. The other problem when I go to the drive-thru is, especially if Jenny and I are together, and especially when the kids were little and we'd all be in the car and I'd be driving, um, we'd pull up there and Jenny says, you know, let's put it this way. There's very few things I would less like to do than be in the driver's seat going through the drive-thru with certain people <laughs> in the car. I want to go up there and order a number five. See, I know my McDonald's menu, which is chicken nuggets, 10 of them, you know, with, with a Coke to drink. Simple. Uh, see, she's already starting. <laughs> I, 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 I want a, she'll, I'm sitting there, I say, hon, hon, what would you want? Now, number one, we get in big conflict over this because we're going to McDonald's. You've been there since you were five but we don't know what we want, and I don't want to nag. Wouldn't want men to do that. We get up there. Oh, I, what do you want, hon? I want a, I want a Big Mac, but no, no Mac sauce. 
and, and I don't think I really want the tomato because I'm, not, I'm on a tomato-free diet right now. And, and, and order me a side salad, that McDonald's salad with, with, uh, with the vinegar and vinaigrette, macchiato, whatever, <laughs> topping on it. And tell them to take the, the croutons off because right now I'm not doing carbs. You know, those are, those are bad right now, but I'm eating McDonald's. Um, you know, we're, we're doing that. And then the kids want back there, you know, remember that, uh, that our son, he, he has to have no cheese on his cheeseburger and only ketchup without out, 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 no mustard. And then our daughter, now she's perfect. She just wanted anything I'd order. No, 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 no. And then, and then I'm pulled up and then the person's going, ha, ha, claw. Sir, sir. You know, the one time I wanted to take 10 minutes before they actually come and order, because it drives me crazy when I go there and they say, you know, they pull up and they go, you know, thank you that the nice person's talking. Hey, thank you for being here. We're happy. Yeah, go ahead and start your order. But that's all fake. It's, it's just some recording because it's some nice person that can speak the English language. But then when the real person comes on, y'all want? I have no idea. And then I'm looking over at my wife. So I am one of those guys, when I come in, I like to drive if my health allows me. Before I, my health went bad, I pretty much always did the driving. It's a great thing to do. But now, if I come, even when I was healthy, if we get to the McDonald's, she told me we were coming, and it was more than just, we want two Cokes. I was that guy that would be in the line, like behind the car in front of us, and I would get out of the car and do the old Chinese fire drill. Is that, is that racially insensitive? insensitive? I don't know. We'd get out of the car, and I would drive. All people are like, what is that guy doing? I'm getting out of the driver's seat. That's what I'm doing. She's driving now, because I ain't talking to that person in the drive-thru. <laughs> it was either that option or option two, which is to put the power seat all the way back. Roll down the window and let the, you know, moms have volume. You know, moms have an ability to talk a little loud. Not saying moms, just sometimes you're a little loud. And, uh, and she would do the order all the way across. And, and then there's no problem. Because if, if you understand, if, if, if heaven forbid that the fries aren't fresh and there's mac sauce on the quarter pounder or whatever, you know, the Big Mac or whatever else, you know, you know, communicating. <laughs> when mom's not happy, and wives, if 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 you want your husband to understand you're you're not happy, you real that this is what it takes. Otherwise, we're kind of like, huh? Just just eat it, honey. It'll be fine. Uh, communication. Um, God gave us a lot of opportunities and ways to communicate today, didn't He? What are some ways that, and yes, we're doing Wednesday night, or pretend we're Wednesday night a little bit here. Um, how are some ways that we communicate? Anybody give me any way that, how do we, how do we communicate? Yes, we, our voice. Thank you, Link. I think that's number one, usually. I wouldn't say that some, some of y'all, you know, you do have a mouth, use it, you know, with looks. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, Dorothy? Texting. Oh, I, somehow the generation, I don't know what it is, Z or whatever generation, I, trust me, young people, us old people don't think you can drive to begin with, let alone texting, driving, and oh, all that kind of texting. Anybody else? What, what else do we communicate? How can we communicate? Pardon me? Hand motions. All right. Sign language. Yes. Caleb? Body language. Well, you can tell a lot about that, can't you? Like, oh, 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 oh. Um, yeah, yes, Laura. Pardon me? 
Letters. What is that? Bless you, young person. Um, been educated well. Letters. Remember when you had to write those and learn how to properly address them and things back in the good old days? Anybody else? How do we communicate? Morse code. Morse code. <laughs> 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 said by a real nerd back there, Doug. That's good. Morse code. Yeah, Joe? Listening with your ears. Huh? <laughs> Hold on. Hey, Jason. What, 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 <laughs> yes, every woman here is going, yes. Yeah, 4.0. Ham radio. Ham radio. So I'm sure you would say that. When, when the whole cell tower system goes down, y'all will be knowing where all the, you know, hey, you know where McDonald's is still open? Um, you, know, you know, anybody else? You guys are doing good. Yeah. Byron? Touch. Ooh, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, yeah, Joe? Before the cell phone, the CB radio. The CB radio. That's kind of, that's kind of, is a ham radio and a CB radio? They're, they're very different things. Okay, I, I got experts in here. I, I don't know, you know. All I know is good buddy, 10, 10, 4, something. I don't know. Anybody else? Yes. Let the other person just do something. In other words, shut up. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm not going to extrapolate anything from that. Yes, yeah, Sarah. Music. That's a great way. Yeah, music. Very powerful communicator. Um, uh, you know, um, very, very, very good. Um, you guys have done. It, there's a lot of different ways of communicating, isn't there? But. It's still, in spite of all that, it's amazing how little communication really goes on. I mean, some, some of y'all mentioned facial expressions. You know, that starts very early. Let me, I got a couple pictures here for you. Um, look at these, look at these young people. Um, that's the first word every child learns, right? And then, uh, you know, um, you know, that, that, you know, that, that, that's a good one. And, um, I don't know, then we got, I, I found some just general uh, communication advice can, is a public service announcement this morning as you're here in church um, to keep your marriage brimming with love in the wedding cup whenever you're wrong admit it whenever you're right shut up you know um, whoop, keep that there that, that's a good one uh, a lot of problems in the world would disappear if we talked to each other instead of about each other that's pretty good right and I think I have one more texting is a brilliant way to miscommunicate how you feel and misinterpret what other people mean I am telling you one of the things that gets us in more trouble is texting does not communicate tonality and a lot of miscommunication happens through texting. Now, I love texting. I'd really rather text really anything else, but boy, it, 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 just do me a favor as your pastor. It's just me. If, you, if, I, if I send a text and you think it's something negative, please call me because if it is, I'll tell you. Yeah, quit it. You're being an idiot. You know, I'll tell you. All right? just, but if you think that way, don't jump to the door. Don't assume aside uh, on these different things because communication can be really difficult. Now, uh, in, in this whole idea of communication, let's go back to our text here, um, but to do good and to communicate. You know, what does it mean to communicate? Well, the Greek word is koinonia. Koinonia. It's a very, uh, uh, the root word is koinos. literally means common. It's most often translated in your Bibles, uh, the word fellowship. Did you know that? But to fellowship. That, that's why sometimes uh, it'll be translated the word communion. It's used in, in, in Corinthians. Paul uses a couple times to talk about how you and I are in communion with Christ, that we have oneness with Christ. And there's this commonality. And you say, how can we be common with Christ? Because you and I were once sinners, 
alienated from God with really nothing in common with God, but through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, when we come to faith in him, that great exchange, and he gives us, imputes to us is the theological term, his righteousness, and now all of a sudden in our standing, blow your mind, we have that holiness now in common with God. I know maybe you don't think it's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's the only way we, we get into heaven. Now, I know we still live in this old flesh, and that old flesh has still got some things that <laughs> they don't do so well with it, with, in common with God, but in our standing, because of what Christ did, it brings us in fellowship with God. Now, a lot of translations in this verse here use the word share. That's not a bad idea. You know, it's not a bad translation to say, you know, but to share with one another. But I think communicating is a, is a better, more powerful word here. It, it brings the me to you and us together idea. Now, you remember when Jesus, right before he went to be crucified and then rise again and ascend to heaven, begin the church, the last bit of advice and command, I should say, not advice, that he gave to his followers in John 13, verse 34 and 35. And if you haven't learned this at our church yet, you're going to hear it over and over again because we as believers need to hear it. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. How? As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if ye love one another. So we're commanded by God to love one another, and we're commanded, in essence, to communicate love. Now, sometimes communicating love, having fellowship, koinonia, is a sacrifice. Say, why? Because <laughs> sometimes I don't want to do it. Honestly, there might be, I, I can't imagine this, but there might even be somebody at the church, even at our beloved church here, that you don't really like very much. They kind of rub you the wrong way, how DT does to me every week. Rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> I know. I, I, Russ, that, you're only saying that because you're right after DT is you. So um, Margaret, that's what Margaret tells me anyway. But you might say there's some people, oh, I just don't. So it's a sacrifice. You know, oftentimes we just don't really care or we're just indifferent. You know, you might say, well, you know, I, all right, I know I'm supposed to love the body. I'm supposed to love other believers. You know, everybody knows that, you know. It's kind of like the story, that well-known story. It's one of my favorite ones where um, the story of the, the wife who says to the husband, they're driving along one day and the wife says, you know, you don't tell me you love me like you used to. And he replies, well, I told you once and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. You know, a, lot, a lot of believers, that's the attitude that we have, not only with our biological family, but sometimes with our spiritual family. You know, this whole idea in marriage, miscommunication is, boy, it, it, it destroys relationships and marriages and families. Or, as I think Joe was mentioning, one of you guys back there said, was mentioning, sometimes there's what's called the silent treatment. I'll stop communicating. Now, men are better at this than women. They just are. Most of the time when it comes to the silent treatment, it's men. Now, it's partly because you women have told us to shut up long enough that we finally do. Um, but it, that can be a very aggressive, damaging issue. Now, I'm not saying when you're in the heat of the moment that you shouldn't clamp the lips and back away and calm down, but I'm talking about an extended period of time where you just say, I'm just not going to communicate with you. One of my favorite books and one I use often in premarital counseling is 
by Dr. Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. And in his book, he gives the, the, the principle that God's made us to communicate love in basically five different ways. And, um, and usually the person we're married to communicates in a way that's different than the way we prefer to communicate. And the book goes on to demonstrate if you figure out what your spouse, how they receive love. For example, a lot of people receive love if your words are kind. That's how the, it's an emotional attachment. Other people, their skin is really thick. They don't care as much. And if you know that your spouse receives love by kind words, now love becomes a choice. Do I want to? I don't feel it. doesn't matter if you feel like it. Jesus didn't say love one another if you feel like it. You didn't commit before God and these witnesses when you got married when you felt like it. You make a choice. You figure out what is the needs of my spouse and then you meet them. I tell wives this and husbands at times, you know, both ways. But, you know, one of the other languages that Dr. Tam talks about is physical touch. Now, it's not just sex. It can be just hugs and different things. But if, if, if you have a spouse that that's their love language and you just say, well, you know, he did, you know, all I'm telling you is you're communicating a destructive message. And so in the church, we also choose whether we want to communicate love or not, whether we want to have koinonia, things in common. Matter of fact, did you know the, the primary place that Christians, according to the New Testament, according to Jesus' plan, ought to fellowship is at the local church? It just is. Matter of fact, the very first time koinonia is used in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 where the Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, koinonia. Central to the founding of the church, core to its element is communication koinonia. This is why... Uh, you've heard this from me before, you hear from me again, because the older I get, the more convinced I am of this. Uh, maybe I should write a book on this someday. Uh, it'd be an interesting book, maybe, huh? Probably wouldn't sell it all, but maybe an interesting book. Um, but maybe the title of the book would be Everyone Has a Church. Everyone has a church. Every atheist, every agnostic, everyone has a church. It's just a matter of what your church is. Could be the church at the bar, could be the church of online gaming. Could be the church of the gun club. Could be the church of the car club. Could be the church at the gymnasium or the workout place. Could be the church of me, myself, and I. A lot of people like that one. I get alone with God, they say. Could be the church at the sporting event. Now, none of these things necessarily are wrong by themselves. Don't leave yourself, Pastor says I can't be part of a gun club. No, I'm, I'm a big Second Amendment guy. I don't have a problem with that. The, the, the problem comes in when they replace the local church in reality in our lives. When, when our church becomes these other things that are not what Jesus established, you say, how do I know that? Well, where does the majority of your time, talent, and treasure go? I'm just, I'm being straight with you this morning, and raw. If you spend more of your time, more of your money, and your talent at whatever club hobby you have, you are not in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. He did not say, 
hey, believers, get together and go down to the gun range. No, he said, come together and fellowship. My how it would be different if Christians, specifically American Christians, were as committed to their local church like they are the replacement church. Now, I expect unbelievers that they all need to find a church and they find one. And you know, sad to say, sometimes the church at the bar is better at the church on Oats Road. True. They're, they're more inclined to meet each other's needs and sacrificially give to one another and communicate with one another. They'll sit there at the bar all night and do, you know, sometimes that, you, you, you might be right. The problem with that, 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 that synopsis, number one, shouldn't be at a bar, you know, Bud Light. Everybody go, oh, Bud Light, Bud Light. You know, I've been praying they would crash for years. I'm the most thankful thing in the world. You know, I heard the bad news is, I guess it's cheaper now that you can, bottled water is more expensive than Bud Light right now. And uh, so that's kind of a bad thing. You know, I want the, you know, want the, but I just wish it all go broke. But my how things would be different if believers were as committed to koinonia communicating with other believers in the local church, recognizing as God writes here in Hebrews 13, that this sacrifice is well-pleasing to the Lord. You see, sometimes, like I said, it is hard. Sometimes you don't want to listen to the problems of that other believer. Sometimes you don't feel like being the encourager, you know, as you're discouraged yourself. You come to church, somebody's looking down, and you're going, oh, man, I've had a lousy week too. But look, boy, my, you know, but God says, go give them a word of encouragement. Well, I don't want to do that. Sometimes you don't want to. Then it becomes sacrificial when you go, God, I'm going to be obedient to what you've asked me to do, and I'm going to go encourage that person. Sometimes money in your own life is really tight when the Lord tells you to give to meet a, a, a need of another believer. You see, it's a lot easier not to communicate and never hear about this need in the first place. And how can we ever communicate love if you're never there? Now, I understand some folks can't come because of health issues. Please, I, I, I'm not... Don't, 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 don't go, but when you have opportunity and there are issues in your life that are not prohibiting you from regularly being with other believers at a local church, you ought to be there. It's, if, if you want to be well-pleasing unto God, communicate. Koinonia, fellowship. This is why, I'm going to really get edgy here, but this, uh, this is why we do what we call in the summer months Sunday night sizzle came up with that years ago. I don't know how. I don't know. But uh, I, I spent much of my own life. I grew up in the church, got saved when I was five. My dad was a deacon. You know, I, I grew up in the church. The first part of my life till I was in my late 20s, I spent my life only sitting in the church listening. That's all I did. Mainly one person talking to me, as I am doing to you this morning. Wow, 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 wow. That was pretty good impression to me, wasn't it? Brian, was that pretty good? You know, 6.58, you know, about a, wow, 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 you know? Like, like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know, wow, 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 you know, that's all you hear. I know it. Um, it's okay. I'm going to keep yakking anyway. Um, we need fellowship. Now, 
I came to realize growing up in the church that folks that teach even, they have a full-time job and then they teach maybe a, 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 a small group in our church, you know, our growth groups, teaching through, the, and you're doing it week after week. It, 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 it gets heavy. And to break things up and give people a, a rest, we said, let's, let's, in the summer months, let's divert and do something different. Now, I've had critics say, well, you know, Sunday night, on, if we walk down to the firehouse, that's not real church. Because somebody like me doesn't stand up here for 45 minutes and go, wah, 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 you. You guys need a lot less wah, 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 wah from me and a lot more wah, wah, wah from each other. Most of us get a lot of that throughout the week of Christian radio, other stuff. That's why we do interesting things. I think it's a couple weeks. Uh, Savannah's on junior church duty. Uh, I, we're having secret church night, right, Pastor Danny? Here's a couple weeks. Or, you know, on a Sunday night, you're going to come and we're working hard uh, to, to make something, you know, that even here in Hebrews 13, the first couple verses talk about remembering them that are in bonds uh, as bound with them. Communicate. We're going to do a service where you come in and we're going to spend an, an hour thinking about our brothers and sisters who don't have the freedom we have. We're going to have, a, I think a week or so after that, we're having an odd, odd uh, scavenger hunt of some kind, right, Pastor Danny? I mean, I, I don't know how that one's all going to work. Um, <laughs> I don't know how, but we're going to do something different. We, we recently started a men's meeting once a month that uh, Pastor Danny and the guys are uh, called, you know, they're called the Forge because it's going to be hot, you know. Turn the air conditioning off. Um, it's Alabama after all. Why do we do these things? Is it just, uh, oh, we want to go have fun. Well, I do want to have fun. Is it just so men can get together? Yeah, well, yeah, but fellowship is how discipleship gets done. You want to grow in your faith and you want God to be more real in your life, it's not going to happen unless you, drop, you develop some deep connections with other believers. You know, nowhere are we told in the New Testament that I can read. Now, maybe Pastor Danny, you can correct me. He's the smarter one of the two of us. Maybe you can correct me. But it doesn't say that we have to have a church service Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Now, we do around here. And you say, well, I, I think that's too much. You know, not today. You know how it is today. People go to church one time a week, and that's all they do. And then they, well, I don't know what they do. But and they say, well, it's more New Testament. I go, man, that's not what I read in the book of Acts. What I read in the book of Acts is they met every single day. We could do that. No amens if you're watching online. No amens to have in seven-day church. Um, the Bible does emphasize the teaching of the Word, but it also emphasizes the need for fellowship. We need to share. We need to have things common. I was thinking about that and thinking, us odd Baptists, what do we have in common Anybody? I said, we're gonna, see, I'm doing good this morning. I'm, gonna let you, I'm, I, so I'm not just doing talk at you. I'm letting you jack back at me. Um, with, with our odd Baptist, what do we have in common? What's that? Love. love. Carol Jean's an optimist. She says we have love. Um, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Wanda Faye? We have the Lord. Hopefully we all have salvation in common, right? We should have love in common. Anybody else? Humor. Some of us. I'm still working on some of you, but 
That's a good one. Anybody else? Food. <laughs> yes, we are Baptist after all. We like to eat. That We have that in common. Anybody else? Come on. Frenemies? Oh, <laughs> man, frenemies. Okay. Um, uh, friendly. Okay. Uh, uh, excellent. Anybody else? Yes, Pastor Cody. Orange carpet and pews. Don't forget that. Chair fund is still rising if you want to donate to the chairs, but it's on the way in the thing. Anybody else? Yes. We all go through trials. That's good. Anybody else? The Bible. God's Word. We've all, I bet everybody in here has failed in some area of your life. We have that in common. What I wrote in my first thing is, we're, if you're part of the Odd Baptist family, we are called the Odd Baptist family for a reason, because if you're part of this family, you're a little weird. <laughs> Starts right here. We have a lot of things in common, and we need to fellowship together around the central bond that brings us together, which is the bond of Jesus Christ. Now, last this morning, the, the idea of koinonia it, it, talk, it means the oneness with God in salvation. It means oneness with other believers. It also brings the idea, koinonia, fellowshipping, brings the idea of financial giving. Do you know when you give financially, it communicates? You know, trust me, at Christmas time, when you take your hard-earned dollars and you buy Christmas gifts for your kids, that communicates, doesn't it? Matter of fact, and I only took a little bit of time, and I'm going to do this really quick, but Romans 15, verse 26, the Bible says, For it hath pleased them of Macedonia, the church of Philippi, and Archaea, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints. You know that word contribution? Koinonia. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, praying with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship, koinonia, of the ministering of the saints. 2 Corinthians 9.13, he talks about how their, their experience of giving, the, the, the ones receiving the gift were glorifying God and recognizing they were sub, submissive under the gospel of Christ for your liberal distribution unto them. Liberal koinonia. How about this one? Philippians 1.5, for your fellowship, your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now, Verse 6, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many have heard that verse before? How many know that in the context of Philippians, this is the church that we just read about in, in Corinthians that was the poor church that gave to the needy Jewish believers. Paul writes when he says, for your fellowship in the gospel, what does that mean? He's saying communicate. He means giving. When, when we talk about verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ, he's in context talking about financially giving to those in the ministry. That when you give your monies to a, a local church, to a ministry, a missionary somewhere, do you realize that money, that, that the fruit of that, God says, goes on and on and on and on and on. How many ever heard that verse taught that way before? Galatians 6.6, 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate koinonia unto him that teacheth in all good things. 1 Timothy 6.18, that they do good, that, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate koinonia. I tell you, I'm so thankful as a pastor that you guys communicate your love to me and Jenny and I think I speak on behalf of our other pastors here this morning. 
by the notes, gift cards, birthday cards, pastor appreciation. You've sent Jen and I on cruises. I'm telling you that communication is powerful. And when you communicate with your local church in general, like we take our offering here in a few minutes, when you put that financial resource in there, it can be a real sacrifice that is well-pleasing unto God. And when you do that, in very practical terms, it pays the bills to pay for our one air conditioner over here. Praise the Lord, it's not as hot today, right? Amen. Um, it pays your pastors to... I think I can speak on behalf of all of the three of us that, to, that, that have not only our needs met, but sometimes and often our wants. When you give money, some of your monies go to missionaries all around the world, some of which our missionaries are right here. One of my favorite missionaries or ministries that we have is our Awana ministry. Look at some of these pictures. This is from our awards night um, this year. And you say, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Hold it right there for a minute, okay? Ellie, um, you know, we do something, and when I, when I came here and I told the public community this, they thought, this guy's crazy. He has lost his mind. I grew up in Awana. Awana was a really important program in my family's life. But I want to tell you, Awana is expensive. Now, there may be other churches that do this. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I understand. I'm just telling you how I felt when I came here and I told our folks, if our church believes enough in a ministry and Awana by design. We want to reach neighborhood kids right here in Perrydale, Loop area and around Prattville. I'm not going to bring them in here and then send them home with a, this is how much it costs to attend Awana. So I said, if we start Awana, we're going to provide the vests and the books and the awards. I don't, we, we, we never sent home a this amount due. Unless the child keeps losing their book, then we, then we, you can't just keep, you know, oh, you know, if you, you get one free after that, eh, pay up, parents. Um, but, uh, but when you give, that's how we pay for this. Matter of fact, Holly told me we just placed the most expensive order of Awana order that we've ever placed. Correct, Holly? But this is why. You know, I think I have some other pictures. Uh, Allie, what else do I have? There's Bo. Yeah. I don't know how that picture got in here. I have no idea. Let me get another picture. That's Lincoln. Right over there. That's, that's one of our young people heading off to college. Yeah, we've been here a while. Do, do you see why it's important to Queen Aenea? Because these little kids, they grow up. And with all my heart, I want them to love God. I want them to recognize that God is a God of joy and happiness and fun along with the authority of the Word of God that we help them plant in their heart. Communicates. Several years ago, um, when it comes to koinonia and it's, it's sacrificial and when you choose to make that sacrifice, whether it's communicating verbally, whether it's communicating financially, God says here in Hebrews 13, it's pleasing to God, well-pleasing. 
And I know some of you may say, well, you know, no one ever communicates with me. No one ever sends me a text. I'm sorry for that, and I wish that were not your experience. I would first ask you, how much are you investing? Well, I tried, I tried. Well, maybe you did, and I keep trying, but I would also tell you, if, if you're not receiving a lot, but you're still giving, I don't know, you talk to my boss, but I think the Lord would say that makes your sacrifice that much more meaningful to him. Several years ago, um, I think Jen and I had been here at Open Door for about two years, and we were in a tough time here at Open Door. We'd gone through a couple of our, let's just say the honeymoon was over. We were still running about 25, 30 people, uh, maybe 40 on a good Sunday morning. And we were going through some problems inside the church. And Jenny and I were going through some problems uh, in our own, own home. Anybody who's raised teenagers, hey, we're easy to do. Um, a lot of things going on, and uh, I remember I got a, I got a text from some of my friends back in Pensacola, and I was offered a really lucrative sales position. You know, um, it was tempting. I was a pretty good sales guy, right, Jenny? <laughs> she says, "Yeah, very good." That's my wonderful wife. Thank you for communicating. Um, but I was just discouraged. See, when we left our first pastorate in Central Florida, probably the most difficult thing and heartbreaking thing that Jenny and I have ever experienced because as a pastor, when you love a church, you give your whole heart to that church. And when you have to leave, especially when it's due to issues that shouldn't have had to be, there's a bitter taste to that and there's a hurt to that that just a scarring. And we'd already been through that once and now we were going through problems again. Well, um, while I was at my first pastorate, two or so years before we resigned that ministry, there, one day I was in my office and my business manager called. I'm sorry, I'm going a little bit late this morning, but that's all right. I'll keep your attention, all right? And she said, there's a lady here at the front you really need to come talk to. So I said, okay. And I come to the front and there's a lady. She's like my parents' age, you know, a generation or so older than me. And she was from New York, New York City, like New York, not New York, like Whitney, New York, like, you know, evil New York. No, no, we love the New Yorkers. Um, um, and she had the Brooklyn accent and all that. And she had a PhD in education and she was a practicing Catholic, very devout Catholic, Italian name. Um, and, uh, she came and said, you know, my, my daughter came to faith in Christ as an evangelical Christian. And she goes, I'm still not really sure what that means totally, but she wants to put our granddaughter in private Christian education. And I'm just here as a PhD educator to find out what this education is all about. And which began this long education discussion. But in that discussion, I began to work in why we felt it was important to teach biblical values and to present Christ in everything that we do, even with our kids, even within our school kids. And she just looked at me and just said, yeah, my daughter says that similar thing. I just, I just don't understand. Don't we have to do this? And don't I have to go through this right? And don't I have to have a priest that does this? And I just said, I said, let, don't, you believe the Bible? Oh, I believe the Bible. I said, well, let, can we agree? Let's just, what does the Bible say? What did Jesus say? And I took her to 
John 3, told her about Nicodemus, who a very educated man, and da-da-da, and, and went through and said, Jesus simply said, if you believe in me in simple faith, I will give you everlasting life. Boom. Not all this other stuff. I said, where, where, where are you finding all this in the Bible? And she says, I really don't know. I've never thought of it that way before. Wasn't long after that that she was in my office, and that was a week or so later, she went home and thought on these things and looked it up and came back to me and said, you know, I've been just, just like you said, I'm just reading the Bible and reading, reading the Gospel of John. And she says, I think the way to heaven is through Christ alone. I said, I think you're right. I said, let's pray right now and, 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 and let him know that you're receiving him as your personal Savior. And she did. This Catholic lady from New York, you know, she gets baptized. Well, another one of her kids, a couple months or so later, she starts witnessing, you know, these new converts, you know how they are. One of their other kids gets saved. We baptize them. And she goes, now, I'll never believe my husband. He's, she said, he's a, you know, she goes, he's a profane man and da 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 he's, he's, you know, I love him and all that, but he's just, you know, he's a construction guy and he'll never come. And after several months, all of a sudden, one Sunday morning, her husband shows up at church. I said, I said, what is your husband doing here? By the way, this lady's name is Rosemary. I said, Rosemary, what's your husband doing here? He goes, well, he does not understand what's happening in his family. <laughs> he does not know what happened to me. He doesn't know what happened to his daughter. He doesn't know what's going on. He said, he, ha- he told me, he said, I got to go to this church and find out what's going on. And he started coming, and I'll forget one Sunday morning. I don't know what, I don't even remember what I preached. All he knows, he was sitting right over here about where Michael Bryant is. And I got to the invitation time before the first note started. Here comes Mike Havers. I, the whole family's weeping over there. And this guy comes down. I took him. We had a little side room over here. And I took him over there and led him through, again, the Gospel of John. Saved and baptized. I'm telling you. Communicate. All, right, all that to say, after we left the church, this family was really devastated and right when we were leaving, Rosemary was diagnosed with brain cancer. And now, as her pastor, I'm leaving town. Well, thank the Lord for the opportunities through email and technology even in that day. We kept in touch. And she was letting me know how she was doing and stuff. And I didn't hear from her for a month or two and for whatever reason, I didn't really think much about it. I just hadn't heard from her. And then I zoop back. Here we are at Open Door now. Church is struggling, having conflict inside the church, having conflict in my home, feeling very much like maybe this is just not. Yeah, I, maybe this, maybe sometimes it's just time to put the flag up. And it was a Wednesday night. Had a pretty awful Wednesday night service, and I got home, and it was Wednesday, October twenty ninth. I got this email, and I found this this week when I was going through cleaning. You ever go through cleaning, and you find stuff? I have this one drawer with all the sentimental stuff, and I found this in the drawer. And I, I want to read this to you, but please, I'm not reading this. Please, please, please understand. I'm not reading this to say, oh, look how he thinks he's so great. No, I, I, I want you to see the bigger issue here, that I was ready to quit. And somebody felt that they should coin a Nia. 
I got this email, said good evening. They say one saves the best for last, but actually I have saved the most emotionally difficult response for last. Please understand and forgive me. I have written in my head many letters to you, but I just can't seem to put into words how much both you and Jen mean to me and how you changed my life. I want you to know that I realized God was working in me when I felt compelled to attend my first church service with you, Pastor. Every service I came away feeling of, uh, with a feeling of wanting to know more and the realization of all my weaknesses through lack of knowledge of our Lord. You are responsible for opening my heart and my eyes to true Christianity. When you left, I felt like my heart had been ripped out of me. I've shopped around for another church but cannot find another pastor that holds a candle to you. You were truly called and are a really special pastor in that you preach God's word and pull people into Christianity, building God's army, not a school with a sports complex as a priority, LOL. To be honest, I don't know why you left as I never got into the talking groups or anyone else for that matter at the church, but the last few services I attended when you were here, I could feel the sadness in your sermons that you felt questioning your call with Jen at your side. I just felt and prayed that you would realize that you were truly meant to work for God. His plan was just not here for you. And I was so thrilled to find out you stayed in his service where you will help many, so many people through the word of God. Koinonia. Communicate. It's well-pleasing. Lord Jesus, thank you for the attention of your folks this morning. Lord, I know I've preached a little bit long, but God, this is important. Um, the local church was not my idea or any of it was your. This is how you led us. Lord, sometimes it's difficult, but God, I pray we recognize the importance of communication and offering that is a sacrifice at the times when it's difficult and we don't feel like it. Lord, I pray if there's one here this morning who doesn't know you as their personal Savior, my dear friend, would you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you trust him that you could have things in common, holiness with God through the finished work of Jesus Christ? But how about it, dear believer? Uh, the communication issues, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your church family, maybe somebody. Have you been communicating? There's a lot of different ways. But are you communicating? Are you fellowshipping? Are you sharing? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd seal us together as a church family. Thank you for the unity we've really had over these many years. And God, I recognize it is by your grace, not by anything that any leadership has done here, but God, help us to defend it. Help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? Joe's going to lead us in a verse of invitation.